Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday mailbag edition. Yep, the intro doesn't change. I'm with Andrew Page. I'm Scott Phillips. G'day, mate. How are you? Very good, sir. Very good. Yourself? I'm exceptionally well, mate. Is this still going to be the ranty Andrew Page that we came to know and love on Friday, or is this the newly relaxed, subdued, weekend vibe (laughs) version of Andrew Page? I'm a little bit ranty, I think, my (laughs) friend, I think. (laughs) When you say... I'm going to save our listeners from the singing, but when I heard I'm a little bit ranty, I've got the Elton John thing, you know, it's a little bit funny going through my head. I'm a little <laughs> bit ranty. My name's Andrew Page. We won't do that. We won't do that at all. We will move no. on, mate. Uh, before we do, though, you are the managing director. You are the founder. You are the CEO. You are the uh, chief cook and bottle washer of strawman.com, the world's prominent, preeminent ranty personal investing group, I understand. Is that, is that how you would describe it? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you know, uh, it's actually therapeutic to, to have a bit of a rant every now oh, and again. Oh, isn't it? It's so um, good. That's why we do the podcast, I, I'm sure. We, we think, we, you know, we actually believe, in our heart of hearts, we believe we're here for our listeners. I'm not so sure we're not here just to rant about things that we care about, really, honestly. If, I, if I'm really honest, I don't necessarily think I even know that's true, but deep down, I, I wonder if it's not. It's cheaper than therapy, let's put it that way. So. <laughs> it really, really is. <laughs> oh, dear. Mate, um, so Strawman is what exactly? We're a private investment club. Oh, right, fair enough. For self-directed investors. I just, I've got nothing else. I've got nothing I else. It is, it, is, it is what it is, you know. Mate, can I start our mailbag with a letter? Please. I got a letter during the week and I'm going to read it out. It, literally on paper, handwritten too. Thank you, Peter. Peter sent us a letter. Dear Scott and Andrew, he says... On the Mailbag Extra podcast released on the 3rd of October, 2021, you answered a question I had about transitioning to bonds and dividend shares as, a re- as retirement approached. You commented on my query about staying invested in growth companies and living with the price volatility. You remember that one, mate, yeah? I do, yeah. My email contained a sentence to that effect, which you joked about, Scott, uh, making up a T-shirt. Well, here they are for you both. Oh, no way. The time you spent on my question was much appreciated. The answer was what I had expected, but more importantly, it helped me with similar guidance. I've been giving to some of my family members. It's always more impactful if advice is received from a third person and your answers were thorough and beneficial. Thanks so much. Andrew and Scott. Now, Peter, I'm, I'm only going to cop this, mate, because you, uh, you dubbed yourself in as well. Andrew and Scott, he says, I've seen your profile photos and Scott's body shape looks more similar to mine, so I got two different sizes, mate. <laughs> I hope they fit you both. He says, but not at the same time. I guarantee you, Peter, we won't try that one. All the best and please keep up your informative and entertaining discussions. Now, Andrew, you and I, that's from Peter. Peter, thank you so much. Thank I really, that's, you. Thoroughly, thoroughly generous of you, mate. I, I don't. I, I feel guilty. Um, we actually, uh, Peter actually sent us an email apparently to the member services team and said, "Look, you know, can I send the guy something?" We actually don't like accepting gifts because just it feels a bit, you know, like we, we do what we do, we get paid to do what we do, and but you know, in the spirit in which it was, it was uh, offered, uh, we we will grant, we'll greatly accept. Andrew, I, I, this is unfortunately you and I are in different places right now. And so we're not even on video because you still haven't got internet at your place. So I'm going to describe to you. We've got a we've got a black t-shirt, and in white writing on the front it says, "I'd rather stay in growth and live with volatility," with an exclamation mm. mark at the end and a graph, a little wiggly graph that goes down and then up and down and up and all the way up and up and up and up, making the point that volatility, though annoying, is much better than the stable flat line he's given us to compare it with, 
which is much more stable but a lower total return. Mate, I will, you, you're gonna have to make me a promise, mate. I'm gonna send you this shirt as soon as we finish here today and then I'm gonna get you to put it on. I'm gonna put mine on. We'll take a photo and we'll actually post it on the socials so that our listeners can uh, can check out the, the very generous gift that, that Peter has sent both of us, mate. I will wear mine with pride as I'm sure you will. Absolutely. Uh, but there you go. I'd, ra- I'd rather stay in growth and live with volatility. That was the T-shirt we joked about. So now we've got them. Um, and Peter, I actually- that's just super, super kind. Thank you, mate. That is so cool. I actually think you might want to get onto Redbubble and start marketing that because there's, <laughs> there's, there's other people who would buy that. I there you go, Peter. You. Put it up, mate. It's your idea, Peter. So I'm not going to take it. That's yours, Peter. If you throw that T-shirt, I'll tell you here's what we'll do. Throw it up on. If you want to throw it up on Redbubble, feel free to, and we will give it a plug. There you go. Uh, only you if go. you do it, Peter. If someone else does it, then they can. You know, don't steal Peter's idea. I'm. I'm going to ask you, fools, on your own honor, to not do this. I'm going to let Peter do it. Uh, Peter, if you want to throw it up on, on Redbubble or something else, we'll, we'll happily give it a plug, mate, because, um, <laughs> yep, we love it. We love it. I'd rather live with – I'd rather – was it? Uh, I'd rather stay in growth and live with volatility. I love it. It's fantastic. So, Andrew, yours <laughs> will be good. in the mail very soon. And thank we'll both you. take photos and we'll, and we'll flick them on. So, Peter, thank you, mate. It's very, very, very awesome. kind. All right. Uh, enough about us. Let's move on. Um, mate, we've got a question which I really like, just the simplicity of this one. Uh, we, we talk a lot about a lot of stuff. And here's a bit of a peek behind the curtain. You and I, when we do our Friday mailbag, start with, hey, what's going on? And sometimes there's heaps of great company news and sometimes there's not much. And i got to say, this week's Often. last podcast, yeah, well, that's the thing, especially the worst part is about now, right? Before, mm. After earnings season and before AGM season, Companies yeah. don't do much. There's not much going on. And so even we look at the you know, front page of the AFR and the FIN and the Australian, and oh, the same thing, the AFR and the FIN, the, the AFR, mm. the SMH, the, the age of the Australian, we kind of go, what's there? Well, nothing there. What would, you know, what, what's news? What are we, what, what's topical? And so we kind of, we try and weave in some company stuff. We can weave in some macro stuff and lots of other things. Sometimes, though, it's just nice to talk about companies because that's what we do with our day jobs. And Wendy mm. asked a very simple question. I, as I said, Wendy went, oh, man, does she ask me to be anonymous? She didn't, thankfully. She says, please use my first name only. So, Wendy, I've managed just to deliver on that one. Hi, Scott and Andrew. Love your podcast so much, says Wendy. Thank you. I look forward to Fridays and Sundays so I can learn more from you experts. I'm a member of Motley Fool Share Advisor, thank you, and an investor of two years. I'm wondering your opinion on a company called EML Payments. I heard about them from your podcast, but they're not doing so well at the moment. Your opinion, please. Thank you so much. And that, as I said, is from Wendy. Mate, it's one of those things we talked about on Friday. Wendy won't have had the opportunity to listen to, to the uh, the podcast on Friday, of course, because the email came in first and we're recording this episode before Friday's episode. Bit of a, again, more theatre of the mind. So she hasn't heard our comments. You, you did comment. I did comment about not necessarily worrying so much about the share price, but we also said sometimes the market does get it right. So sometimes the falling share price mm. is actually legitimately because the company sucks. Other times just because the company has just changed their mind about the business and maybe it doesn't mean anything at all. EML payments, it's in the kind of gift card, reloadable visa cards. It does um, like FPOS type cards for things like betting companies. It's moving into Bitcoin, I believe, a whole lot of stuff going on. What do you think about EML payments, mate? Look, I don't hold it personally. Um, it does actually rank quite well on Strawman. Oh, um, okay. Look, yeah, we it's it's a it's a private investment club, so I don't want to give too much away <laughs> from the, that. the the IP that, <laughs> that that a lot of our members have put a lot of work into. So, Fair I mean, enough. the fact that it ranks highly will tell you that it's actually held reasonably widely right. um, by our members. I think the issues that are facing them. So, when you're doing 
uh, gift cards and that kind of stuff that you mm. take into a physical store. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's exceptional right. circumstances yeah. that that is that are at play. There, so you need to form a view on whether that's mm. a temporary or, or long term structural mm. thing. But what's interesting about this, I mean, what we can say in terms of absolute fact is that mm. the business has just been growing like the clappers. So in 2015, they earned about $13 million in revenue. Mm. 2021, they earned $190 million in revenue. So you've got okay. this hockey stick of a chart where they have just exploded. Mm. And they've also, it's, what's, I always find this as a really interesting point in a company's development is when they pass this inflection point between um, bleeding cash to making cash. Right. Uh, it's it's a really interesting. Now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with a company losing a lot of money mm-hmm. um, if it's if it's lo- if they're making long term investments that will that will come back you know tenfold down the track. Amazon's the classic example here. Yeah, zero here in Australia. Another example of a company that lost a fortune for a long time and still making a lot of money. Well, you've got sometimes these the industries are changing rapidly. There's a land grab, and it's sort of like mm. the person who's worried too much about the the, the interim profitability. Just you, you need to invest to scale up your sales workforce mm. to make sure your product is right to get that to get it out there to consumers. It just it, mm. it's. By the way, that is often used as a cover for very poor uh, businesses as well. Say, like, oh, we're just, you know, this is part of what we need to do. So just, just because a company is bleeding cash and saying <laughs> that they're doing it for all the right reasons doesn't mean that they are. But, yeah. but anyway, I think in the case of EML, I think they have uh, ostensibly doing rather well. They've got some very cool technology in terms of their payment processing um, yeah. uh, tech. It's got broad application. Um, and so, uh, look... I I, I don't hold part of the reason I don't hold it is I it comes back to a um, personal failing of mine. I've <laughs> I've I, I've just circle of competence payment companies. I find I don't find hard to understand conceptually. Yeah, I find it hard. I don't know about you, mate, but I find it I I I. I find it difficult to build strong conviction mm-hmm. on those those companies that are going to be the ones that end up winning. Because there's a lot of these kinds of companies that are out there, right? Um, and, Such and a good point. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's like, don't even get me started on the buy now, pay later <laughs> space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never really been, I mean, I guess I was negative on after pay from a valuation perspective, but yeah. it's just, it's not like, oh, this is definitely going nowhere. It's right, just like, exactly. well, may, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't, yeah. I, yeah. and, and I've, I've long said, and I'm, I'm happy to say this, um, that, that, you, you know thyself is a very mm-hmm. important thing mm-hmm. in, in investing, and I mm-hmm. I know what I don't know in those spaces, and I and mm-hmm. and for that reason I kind of put it in the too hard pile. So I kind of I kind of on that on on that that's where I'm coming. Having said that, business businesses business seems to be doing really well. Yes, okay, the the, the COVID has really knocked things around. I don't think that I don't think that materially changes the longer term outlook. Based on its ranking within Strawman, I think that's probably fair to say for most of our members as well. But mm. do your own research, as they say. Absolutely, mate. I think um, your point. Of, your point. Of, I, I won't, I'll try and answer this directly rather than too going too tangenty. But I will start with a small one. Your your point about businesses. I've I've long joked and joked because I'm serious, but but also because it's kind of funny. If you added together the expectations of all the companies in certain sectors, and particularly software, particularly payments, as you say, mm. uh, you, you know, they, they all want to be part of this market. And and so, if they, you know, they can't all be successful, right? If you added up all the all the allegedly total addressable markets they're all trying to conquer, you would get mm. a number that was five, seven, ten times the actual final value of the market. In other words, mm. they all have hopes, they all have dreams, they all have expectations, they all want to do well, 
but they won't all do well. That's that's kind of the point, right? And so um, you mentioned payment companies. I own shares in PayPal for the for full disclosure. Not that I'm going to mention it, but I will just for the sake of being complete in my disclosure and, and being transparent. Um, but yeah, buy now, buy now, pay later. I, I actually am bearish on the concept of a, a standalone buy now, pay later business being dominant in five or 10 years' time. But it doesn't mean that Afterpay won't be buy now, pay later, plus a lot of other stuff in partnership with someone else and be really successful, oh, yeah. a la sure. being bought by, by Square, right? That was kind of the point. Mm. And I think, I, I don't think Zip will be its own business in 10 years' time, only doing buy now, pay later. It'll either be part of something else. And, and so kind of trying to work this out is really, really hard. Now, as you say, we could, we've both missed a trick because Afterpay did really well, but I don't mind missing those where I'm like, I just, I don't know. You know, mm. had there been an early recession, had there been regulatory intervention, had things, and they still might, by the way, had things changed, you know, very different outcomes. So it's, it's one of those things where you, you can't ignore the counterfactual, right? It doesn't mean you should mm. discount the... I'm not going to say, well, oh, I don't, you know, I, you know the, the losers could have gone badly, therefore I'm glad I didn't buy them. Well, it's not losers, the ones mm. I missed, the winners I missed. Um, could have gone badly, therefore I'm glad I didn't buy them because you say that every stock and you could always make yourself an excuse. But if you think about the business itself, I don't know that company either. Email for me is a little bit different. And here's, the, the flip side of what I just said was, winners do tend to keep on winning. And... Mm. I have a constant struggle with myself. I'm pretty sure I've said this on the podcast before. My personal failing, I much prefer yours than mine, mate, for what it's worth. It. <laughs> but, uh, but my personal failing is I've tended to, in the past, um, avoid companies where I couldn't personally be absolutely sure. And that's cost. If I'd bought Afterpay, I would have made up for a whole lot of losers. So that would have more than covered me. Email, I also don't own. And part, probably partly for the, exactly the reasons you used to talk about. On the flip side, it's kind of like, I've got to try and work out what the right line is between absolute conviction on, on one hand, i.e. I have personal strong conviction, and the other which is if a business continues to win, it's telling you something, right? It's telling you something about the market, about the customers, and I'm not so sure I'm right to keep saying, well, I don't know if after will win because as it goes on winning and winning and winning and winning, you know, at any point between two and five and 10 and 50 and 100 and $150 a share, I could have gone... Well, the consumers are voting with their feet. The retailers are voting with their feet. There is seem, seemingly something going on here, not just because the price is rising, by the way. Uh, we could use the, the revenue numbers or something else as a, as a proxy for that. Um, I'm not sure I, I, don't, I don't... I'm not too conservative when it comes to some of those unless I'm absolutely sure scenarios because you, know, you and I are going to be wrong two, three, four, five times out of 10. And so maybe I should just be less... Um, you know, want less certainty and be comfortable with a, a different probabilistic framework. So that's something I'm, in my own investing, kind of trying to work through is, you know, why did I miss Afterpay? Well, there were reasonable risks. If I'm honest with myself, at, again, at two, five, 10, 25, 30, $50, were those risks really more likely than the upside? I don't know. It's easy in hindsight to give myself a pass. I don't know if I should. So that, that's kind of my my view. Long way of answering the question. I like EML as a business. I don't own it personally. A lot of the guys at the full do like it. Uh, my last question, went, my last point went is probably one we talked about on, on Friday. I'll not to jump back in again, Ram. Um, which is, I wouldn't worry about the share price. <laughs> and it's easy for me to say that to you when you're saying they're not doing so well at the moment because you go, well, the share price are down. How can I, you know, how, how can you say don't worry about the share price? Mm. It's exactly the conversation we had about A2 on Friday. If this is going to be a successful business over the long term, it doesn't matter what's happened, even though it hurts in those last, whatever it is, three months, six months, 12 months, whatever the share price has been down. Because if the, in the long term, if you're right, it won't matter. And this will be a little bump, even though it's painful now. Now, if you're wrong, you should sell anyway, regardless whether they're up or down. But if you still mm. believe in the thesis, if you still believe in the business and you believe in its growth potential, then I wouldn't use the share price alone as a, as a determinant of how you should feel about your investment. 
Mate, we've also missed the elephant in the room here, um, which is that the uh, EML's got an issue with the Central Bank of Ireland. Ireland's who, correct, yeah. Who raised some concerns over some... Yep. Uh, basically, in, in, in regard to their risk control and governance systems mm-hmm. over anti-money laundering, counter-terrorism yep. and this kind of stuff. So... Yep. W- the market hates uncertainty. So what is yeah. this? That is that is a real... Whoa, the Central Bank of Ireland is, you know, raising these kinds of concerns. Now, it, it's more about the regulatory framework and their, their systems. They're not being alleged to have done anything criminal per se. This part of the business is only part of the business. It's a internet, truly international company with operations much broader than that. So I, I think... And the the statement that they issued most recently, which is why the share price take another leg down, was really vague and terribly written. The investor relations person needs to be taken out the back and given a good (laughs) smack across the face because it's like that is as clear as mud what you said. And it's either you're a terrible communicator or you're obfuscating intention. Yeah, that's right. We, you know, which yep, neither yep, really yep. a great, great kind of look. So I think, I think that is that is really weighing on it. So the, the, the some of the com- again, without giving too much away, some of the comments being made on this is is that look, this this potentially uh, could be bad, but then the market has overreacted uh, on that. It doesn't have any bearing on other parts of the business, which is something to bear in mind. And in fact, this may well be resolved perfectly. Um, Ah, fine. But it's that, whatever that's hanging over it, I think that's going to cause cause things to be a little bit depressed at the moment. But I can also tell you that a number of our members have taken the opportunity to to buy on this. Now, we're, we're, not, we're not one body here. There's disagreement amongst that. That's why it's called straw man. We like to be challenged. That's how, that's how you improve an investment <laughs> idea is by challenging it. Yep, yep. Um, but hopefully it gives you a little bit more colour, as the analysts mm, like to mm. say. Exactly. It's a, it's a difficult one, mate. I think that's right. I, I, the reason I didn't throw the island... So the island thing is potentially big, but my point is more if the long-term... It, you know, it, it's... Well, anything's possible. So it is possible that the island, island investigation brings down the whole company, right? That, that's at one end of an extreme outcome. That's possible. Mm-hmm. If, though, if, though, they manage to resolve that... I mean, you know, Westpac's had its issues with anti-money laundering as well, right? The bank's not going to go broke and it's going to pay a big fine and eventually get on with business and be more profitable in the future because that's what mm-hmm. banks do. Um if, if the email story is legitimate, it does. You know, this will be a problem. Uh, but if you look out three, five, ten years, and you say I bought it because I think it's going to be meaningfully larger at that point, the island investigation is not likely to be a, a meaningful issue in my in my view either way. Again, it could mm. be completely wrong. Um, if it's if it's worth more, it's worth more regardless. If it's worth less, it's worth less regardless. In my in my view. Yeah, I actually think they're really interesting scenarios like that. Mm-hmm. When you have something that comes along which is really scary and stuff, it it, it mm-hmm. does that uncertainty does. And it's things that are like objectively bad, right? Yeah, like, it's yeah, like yeah, you yeah. can't put a positive smell on saying this is ah oh, the market's just being. No, this is this is definitely something to worry about. No one's, no one is sort of saying that. But but the question isn't isn't is is this is this bad for the business? It's the question is, is this sort of a is it existential or not? You got to get past that. Then if it is bad, then how bad? Do you remember when Cochlear had its big recall? Um, with, its, I do. with its hearing implants. Yep. Now, yeah, I do. what an opportunity that was! Again, you, you could. I was. I find that much easier than the payment space. But I remember at the time thinking, "Oh, this sucks. This is this is bad. This is going to cost them money." Um, yeah. Yep. It doesn't change them being the best bionic ear manufacturers in the world, and the market's not going away, and it's only growing. And so, so mm. there are mm. certain situations where. Mm. In a way, they're actually really great because yeah. if you if you can form a view that this is not structural, mm-hmm. uh, there you you just get it on you get it so cheap, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. Anyway, that's right. Yeah. I, I'm, no, I'm, that's not sure, I'm just not sure if the, I don't think this is the case, and that's the view mm-hmm. amongst mm-hmm. our community um, yeah. here, and, and hence why people are taking advantage of that. Mm-hmm. But don't 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 run out and do anything based on what we say, for goodness sakes. And th- th- here's the thing: I'm very very. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's very important to point this out: is that the thing of the, the share market and talking heads and punditry like like us is that you can borrow an idea, but you can't borrow the conviction. So you sort of hear from a mate or from a podcast, oh, this is a good idea, I'm going to go buy it. It's all good and well until it goes 30% down next week. Now, mm-hmm. what do you do then? If you've got the conviction, the understanding, the research, the due diligence to back it up, you're going to be in a much better position to do the right thing, which is either continue to hold or get out because your thesis yeah. is completely busted. If yeah. you're making a reaction just based on what you heard, even from people that you might think that you trust, mm. you, you're, still, you're still not going to know what to do as, as things evolve. So build that build that case, build that conviction, then make your decision. And as I say, if going through all of that process, you can't reach a firm conclusion, no shame in that. <laughs> That's great. Move on. There'll be something yeah. else that you do have it. And you don't, don't try and – there's no extra points for degree of difficulty, as Buffett likes to say, right? So if, it, if it's too hard, it's too hard. There's a lot of other things out there that are easier. I thought that was me who said that actually, mate. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to give Buffett that one. Oh, maybe it was. I, mean, I don't know. I've been I, I, saying I, it for so many I'm years. More than happy to be mistaken with Warren Buffett. I, look, I may well have been inadvertently solid from him. I'm not sure. Maybe I did. Uh, we'll, we'll, oh, look we'll look it up. We'll look it up. There's another T-shirt for our red, red bubble. <laughs> oh, don't know. So. No, he's kidding. He's kidding. Yeah, there you go. I like, oh, that could work. We could have a whole different career, mate. Yeah, we could yeah, be yeah. investing in merchandise, but right? that's going to be a massive market, doesn't it? <laughs> Total addressable yeah. market, 7 billion potential customers. We've got to list yeah. this thing and make a fortune. Anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. My question from Patrick. Uh, sorry, great question, Wendy. Thank you for, the, for prompting the discussion because it was a, a really useful one. And I, I think hopefully you've got some thoughts from it. Um, as, as Andrew said, if you don't have the conviction anymore, then that's telling you something. But don't lose conviction. The other thing I would say, mate, is just because humans are humans, people will start to lose conviction just because the share price is falling. And, yes. and I just want to I want to guard against that as well, Wendy. Because if you, you know, I, I was about to say to you, hey, if you've got the same conviction, then hold on. Otherwise, if you haven't got that conviction, sell. Uh, it's probably true that most people simply will have less conviction as the price falls, just because doubt creeps in. It's a it's a bastard of a thing, and mm. it will creep in, and you will feel less convicted almost by definition, right? If you ask people how they feel about the stock that went up twenty five percent, they was like, I feel even better about this company. Like we said mm. on Friday, when it falls twenty five percent, oh, I still think I'm I still think I'm right, but maybe I'm not. And so you will absolutely have that conviction tested. Um, it's it's human nature to have less conviction as it falls, but trying to hark back to the original investment case and just ask yourself, do those do those Suppositions to those expectations still hold true for the long term, rather than asking yourself how you feel right now about the idea. Because I don't know about you, mate, but I even I succumb to even I'm I'm nothing special, but I, I succumb to that feeling sometimes too. Of well, I think I still like it, but gee, it's down a lot. Maybe the market is right. Maybe I'm making a mistake, and those doubts do creep in. So it's it's almost inevitable. Oh, yeah. You'll feel less confident, uh, but try and hark back to the original investment case. Can I give you some bad news before we move on? Oh mate? no, um, what have I done? Uh, oh no, it's 2000- not buses, is it? In 2005, AGM, he said, but in terms of investing, there is no degree of difficulty. If something is staring you right in the face and the easiest decision in the world, the payoff can be huge. And we get paid not for jumping over seven foot bars, but for stepping over one foot bars. And the biggest thing we have to do is decide which ones are the one foot bars and which ones are the seven foot bars. So when we go to step, we don't bump into the bar. And that is something that I think we're reasonably good at. Um, So I'm going to give him credit for the concept, but I'm taking the quote. No, no extra, no extra reserve for degree of difficulty. I'm pretty sure that's my, that's my, uh, that's my editing. That's my reframing of that. Paraphrase, paraphrase, paraphrase. paraphrase. Okay. There you go. There you okay. go. All right. 
fair enough. You, you, bloody Buffett. God damn it. Anyway. What a great quote. Yeah. It's, oh, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. And that, well, I mean, well, no, I'm not going to go there past. We, let's come back to the seven foot, one foot bar because that, that in itself is its own its own value. And I think there's, there's some other there too. You've, you've already touched on that. All right. Yep. Patrick says, Hi, Scott and Andrew. Love the podcast. Thank you, mate. I thoroughly agreed with a recent questioner's comment that it's fun. Thank you. And it serves a useful reminder to stay the course. I have another pesky question about pricing. He says, thank you for answering my previous questions about these. And you will love this question, mate, because this is you talk about this a lot. I own Kogan shares, says Patrick, and agree with Drink. Scott's thesis yeah, about why it has a strong long-term outlook. But how does one know whether this outlook is already priced in to the current share price? More generally, how do we know what is and isn't priced into the current share price of any stock? Are we looking for significant change to industries, business management, product, et cetera, in the next X time frame? Thanks, and that's from Patrick. It's a really good point because we talk about, oh, that's priced in, that's not priced in. But he says, well, how, how, how can we know? And so I, I just think it's a really, really smart question because you and I have glossed over it. We think we know what we're talking about. We kind of talk in that investing shorthand as we try not to do but occasionally slip into. And if mm. we say, oh, well, that growth's already priced in, Patrick's simply saying, well, how, how do we know? What, what are we looking for? What would you tell him? Uh, it's going to be hard to do <laughs> ver- verbally, but you have do to do a best. bit of maths. Do your best. You've got to do a, you've got to do a bit of maths. Um, and you, you, you've, got to, you've got to come up with a, a valuation. And that valuation will rest on a bunch of assumptions, but one mm. of the key assumptions will be the growth in earnings o- over time. Yeah. Um, so, so this was always the case. This, again, just to re- re- uh, go back to what I said before, my, my case mm. against... Uh, Afterpay at the beginning of the year wasn't that the business was terrible. It was just that, and the bulls would say, "Oh, but it's going to get really, really big." It's like, yeah, I agree. It looks, it mm. seems as I don't have high conviction on it, but I can totally see that that being eminently possible. Mm. But it is, it is priced in, and I could say that because it was trading on some ridiculous multiple of sales. Um, I'll pick on one that I hold, um, Prometicus. You know, it's 80 times sales. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, the business is going to be bigger in the future. Yeah, it is because imagine paying – imagine if I had, a, uh, again, my little lemonade stand and I sold $100 worth of lemonade uh, each each week and, – uh, each year, <laughs> keep it simple, and you pay me $8,000 $8, for that. It's going to take you a long time to get your money back. And you don't even know what my margins are. Maybe I'm not even making money at that price point. So yeah. it's it, it the the uh, the other one of the really neat um, things that that I like to do is do what they call a reverse DCF. Now, the easiest thing to say here is Google reverse DCF. There's some really <laughs> great stuff online. But what it so does, you're, is saying, it, you're saying this whole podcast episode is just go on Google. Don't bother listening. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, when some <laughs> some things are very hard to do on a podcast, but a yeah, reverse DCF, there's a lot of good stuff out there, and it just yeah, basically yeah. sort of says what kind of growth is implied in mm. the price. It tries. It tries to. What it does is it starts with the assumption that the share price mm. is perfectly accurate. Is a perfect intrinsic value uh, figure. It's a, it's a perfectly fair. And then if that's the case, well, what growth are we assuming here? Yeah. Yep. So you, you'll do that for a lot of companies. They'll say, well, basically, if this is fair, it's saying that the business needs to mm-hmm. compound its its profit at forty percent per annum for here until eternity or something. Right, you know, right. it's like, well, is that? And then you then then the question is, do I think mm-hmm. that's possible? 
Yeah. So, so again, it's sort of, I, I see this a lot out there where people go, oh, oh, but you know, it's going to be so much bigger in the future. And, mm. and that is great. That really is great. But you, you know, this Charlie Munger quote, no business is worth an infinite amount. Yeah. So it, it just think about it logically. So let's, let's take, um, I don't know, what's a really great business? Um, I mentioned, mentioned CSL before. Fantastic mm. business, mm. right? Are are they worth $4 million per share? Mm. I think most sensible people would say that is insane. Um, is it worth zero? Well, no, obviously not. It's a great business that makes a lot of money. So, so logically, logically there is a point between those two which is accurate. And by accurate, it gives a, re- a true reflection of the, of the cash generative ability of this business. Mm. And, and, and so you can buy easily – you can easily buy business buy shares in a business who goes on to have wonderful long term success, but do awful as an investor. Um, yeah, and you've 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 just got to you've got to factor that in. Uh, even though, and, you, and by the way, let's say you 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 still got to be resting this on a whole bunch of assumptions you can't ever possibly know a right or wrong. But let's just say you do, and you do know with, with high conviction that this is this is fundamentally flawed. Well, the share price can still double from there afterwards, right? Yeah, so it's sort right. of here's the here's the other kind of thing. But that's right, that's, that's, right. that's just that's just the rub. So so in the case of Coke, I'm not going to. I'll let you answer this part because you know it far <laughs> better than me. Mm. But but I I think you you would probably say that. Geez, what do they own? Two percent of the market. The market, the online retail market, is growing very strongly. Even if they don't grow their market share too much, and you probably think that they can, uh, uh, they're probably going to be earning something like this in ten or fifteen, twenty years' time. I can discount that back to today's value. It just it just seems as though it's not priced in. That's probably mm. is, is that a fair fair comment to say? But that's that's probably the that's probably the process, right? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right, mate. You've done a, you've done a spectacular job. I'm, I'm going to try and reset some of what you said just using an example. So, if I'm going to if I'm in the in, in the business to buy a news agent, right? I've decided to change a career. Give me up the podcast and give up the investing. I'm going I'm to become a news agent owner. And I go, I, I go <laughs> talk, on. talk about a sunset industry, but go on. <laughs> so yeah. what, what the current one or the new one? <laughs> You're saying yeah. I'm on the way out. <laughs> I, I, I just, so, I just, I mean, news agencies got to be a tough business in, a, in an increasingly <sighs> digital world. But, but it's a, it's yeah. a lazy example to use too. But I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it, mate, because I've already gone down okay. that path. I go, I go to okay. local, I go to the local business broker. He says, oh, I've got one for you for sale in your local area. I live in Barrel mm-hmm. in New South Wales, so there's a, the one at Barrel's for sale. And uh, look, he, he's he's asking a million dollars for it. Mm-hmm. Now, my job is to work out, as you've rightly pointed out, whether that news agent is worth a million dollars. And or in the language of, of Patrick's question, what growth is priced in? If I if it has to be if it's worth a million dollars, what would have to happen? In other words, if I'm going to pay that price, I would have to believe that it's going to pay me back in some sort of you know excess return form. Because obviously I want to don't want to buy a job. I want to get some sort of capital return for it and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And I'm going to look at that business and say, well, okay, well, now, right now it's doing twenty-five thousand dollars a year in profit. And I'm going to say, geez, that's 40 times earnings. All right, well, it's going to have to grow a lot. If I'm going to pay a million dollars for it and get a return on that investment, that, that's obviously a good return, I'm going to have, it's going to have to do a lot. The, the, the owner is in, in, implying, either, either thinks I'm a mug, which is possible, or implying that maybe he's got plans, uh, a DA approved to double the size of the shop. Or maybe he knows that the guy's going broke down the road. Or maybe he's going to go into Bitcoin selling or whatever it is. <laughs> and so he's like, you know what? This is the business plan. This is why it's worth a million dollars. Now, I can say... I get it. That, yes, I believe in that idea absolutely. And I think it's worth more than a million bucks because I think that's going to be really successful. And so, yeah, I'm going to pay a million dollars for it because I think it's going to be worth a million and a half in five years' time. 
And so that would be, or I could say, oh, dude, you're kidding, aren't you? That, that, you know, you'd be lucky to double your profit. I'm not going to buy a business that in 10 years' time is only going to double profit because then I'm still, mm. you know, the business is still 20 times earnings. That's in, that's in 10 years' time. I've, I've wasted all this time uh, and, and it's still only worth a million dollars. And so that's kind of the, you know, the, 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 you know, when you think about what's priced in, as you say, if it's, if it's doing 25 grand in profit, it's, worth, it's selling for a million bucks. I know that 40 times earnings, the market is expecting a lot more from it if the current price is to be right. Yes. So I think Patrick's question though is, is about the specifics. Like, you know, and you this is what you can't answer. This is where the shorthand that we've used in the past probably deserves a bit of, we're not saying, oh, obviously the market's thinking that Kogan is going to go into the Cook Islands and that business is going to be worth $48 million and it's going to go into the Solomon Islands, going to be worth $20 million there. And so I'm going to add that and add that. And that's what the market's assuming. We can't know in that level of detail. What we can, what we can interpret or imply is a future level of sales and a future level of profitability based on the current price earnings ratio mm-hmm. and based on some sort of, as you say, Ram, a discounted cash flow, some sort of expectation of future cash flows. And, and the, the DCF math is pretty straightforward. You know, now, we don't know what the market's own discount rates are, so you can't know for sure exactly because it could be saying, well, the discount rate's going to be huge and growth's going to be massive, or it could say, well, I'm using a tiny discount rate and the growth's going to be small. Um, so that the algebra, when you've got more than one variable, you can't know for sure. But you can make some reasonable assumptions to what would have to happen for today's price to be good. And how you would get a return from that is if you believe those assumptions can be surpassed. So mm. to your point, Rambo, at Kogan, let's go back to that. And I own shares. Every bloody week I do this podcast and it locks me out for buying shares for another week, by the way. Um, it, I Seriously, I've been planning to buy shares for weeks. There you go. There's a, there's a tip. Um, I, I can't now for at least two more trading days after Sunday, by the way. So we're recording this on Wednesday. I'm now out for a week. Um, the uh, the So yeah, I, I, look, I... I the market, the market is, you know, if, if you think, and this is, oh man, it gets harder with that, as you say, without the math ram, because, you know, in theory, PE should be higher, price earnings ratio should be higher, and rates are lower, by the way, so there's part of that. Um, so again, that's why we can't know for sure what the market's assuming. But yeah, it's fair to say that at the current PE, the market's not assuming much growth at all. If you take the normalised level of earnings and you take out the, the share compensation and the inventory costs of the last year, and I think that's reasonable to assume they're one-offs, assuming they can get their, their act together, it's something like 20 or 25 times earnings, which is not much at all. That would be in a business that might grow, you know, 7 or 8% for a few years or 10%, 15% for a couple of years and then go back to reasonably low levels of growth. And my view is simply that I think if you look out five years, as you as you implied, Ram, as you hypothesised, mm. I think I think Coke is be much bigger. I, th- I think it's I think the market is undervaluing the compound value of the growth it can achieve. And if it can do that, then the level of profitability it should be able to achieve is much higher than today. And I think the share price will be much higher if I'm right. Now I could be completely wrong, so I don't I don't want to use the example as an excuse to go and ramp Kogan shares because that's not my I own them. I've talked about that before. Everyone knows I'm, I'm, you know, I'm keen on the company, but I'm not here just to keep, you know, banging on about it. Whether or not it happens is is an open question. No one knows for sure. I think, mm. as you say, mate, the, the compound growth in sales is is excellent and continuing to be really strong. I don't know that I, I don't know how a company, if it can keep that growth up, cannot be worth meaningfully more than it is today. Just the, the sheer maths of that. If you compound growth out at I don't know, pick a number, twenty percent for the next three years, five years, seven years. Now maybe it's not that, but if you do, it, it you know, you're on a single digit PE. And so at that point, you're like, okay, well, then if I believe that's possible, and to your point, Patrick, what's the market pricing in? The market's pricing in low levels of, of compound growth out 10 years. Maybe good next year, maybe good the next two years, but it'll, it'll fall away qu- quite quickly. Um, that, that, that's what the, the, if you do the DC, reverse DCF that Ram says, that's what you'll end up with. And I simply think it's worth more than that. But I, I think Patrick might have been saying, you know, specifically, what is the market assuming? We don't know. Uh, but we can imply the result of that assumption, which is a level of profitability based on the current share price. 
Yeah, and, and, and just quickly too, you don't mm. you don't need to, I mean, you know, DCFs, reverse DCFs, discount rates, it all gets very sort of heady mm. kind of stuff. But I mean, there is sort of a, it does, all of this stuff does rest on very common sense kind of mm. stuff. Back to your, your newsagent analogy, if I'm pulling $25,000 out of this a year uh, and I'm paying a million dollars for it, yeah. I mean, think, forget, again, forget about the share market. The share market is always the last thing that you think about. And it's yeah. just there. It's like, oh, what, what can I buy or sell this for now that I've decided I want to buy or sell it? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's, where the, that's where you start thinking. Up, up until that point, it's totally irrelevant. I don't care. Yeah. There's, yeah. You know, what, what's, you know, what's Dodgy Brothers uh, Proprietary <laughs> Limited doing on the ASX? That I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. It's irrelevant to me because I don't know anything about the business. But, mm-hmm. but, you, but you, can, you can intuit that, that a, a, a business like your news agent there, there is, there is a massive disconnect. So I'm going to have to hold that for 40 years to get my money back, right? Yeah. And, and that doesn't even factor in inflation or opportunity cost or anything else. So it just, if it doesn't it just, grow, right? That's the other thing. The, 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 what I don't want to underscore is it could still be well and truly worth paying because if it grows really fast, then it's not going to take 40 years. That's uh, what you have to believe. Uh, but that's, and that's, and that's what I was getting to too. Oh, sorry, that's the, that's the point, right? So, that's, so, yeah. so th- that's your starting point and then you go, right, okay, so can it? And 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 you 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 still get mm. to these very difficult questions, but they're the right questions to mm-hmm. ask. You know that then you can form a view on it. That that's the the question isn't what the market mood is going to be like next month, next mm. year. The question isn't you know whether the PE in isolation at thirty or forty is high or low. The question here <laughs> is: Can this business grow its earnings at, at a sufficient enough rate to justify that multiple? In other words, if they, if I just own the thing outright, the only way to get a return from it was to extract the profit, um, then does that make sense to me? And, and if it doesn't, and in many cases it doesn't, then you move on. And again, as I said before, if you can't, if you can't tell, then that's cool too. Just move on. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll put the bear case out. I don't own um, Kogan. Um, I'm, not, I'm not particularly bearish or bullish on it, but just for the sake yeah. of balance. Yeah, I totally. Think close, the, yeah. The, the argument is, is probably something along the lines of Amazon. <laughs> um, yeah. It's probably something along the lines of it. it I think it could probably potentially continue to grow but will those margins remain as attractive as they ha- uh, have been how many new sort of verticals does it need to move into what success will it have there so there's just a little bit of uncertainty mm-hmm. around all of that i'm yeah. i probably i probably lean more towards your your way of thinking to be honest um uh but yeah just for the sake of balance i think that's 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 probably what the the bears would say yeah i've, I've got to find somewhere a Maybe we should just do it. I, I, I'm not a programmer, but it'd be great to be able to find a DCF. We could actually point people to it and say, put these numbers in this box. Here's what it looks like, right? So you can do it at home yourself. Um, there mm. are plenty out there, but they're all kind of different. They're, they're formulated differently and structured differently and the assumptions are, are different. I don't, as I've said this before, we probably should do a, a YouTube video on it because you need a bit of a, a visual cue to show what's being done in what box. Um, mm. But if you can get your head around the idea that money is worth less the more years you go out, which is why you discount it by more, mm. And that growth happens for multiple years, and if you combine those two together and say how much is it growing, and how much less is that worth because I've got to wait for it, that concept, if you can just just internalize that itself, that starts to give you the the, the absolute clue, right? Because um, most of the mistakes made in a fast-growing companies by analysts and investors, when they kind of go, this can't possibly keep going for, for for more than X period of time, 
because human nature is, well, eventually everything goes to normal. You know, mean reversion averages, um, as you like to say, around at the end of the, at the end, everything's a toaster. Uh, I'll just explain that one in a minute. Uh, that's, that's your one. Uh, that's your painted quote, by the way. Um, it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been said around the fall after you're after you leaving. Put it that way, and, and credited to you. So uh, you've you've left us with a legacy. I stole um, that. I stole that from Michael Malbison or something. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, uh, bo- bottom line, yeah, is if you if you can understand the fact that you know growth can continue for a while, and working at how long it continue at what rate. And then how you discount it back. That those are the two component parts of any discounted cash flow. There's going to be a better word for it too, because it's just a really crappy name. But anyway, one day, one day we'll we'll come up with something. And we'll make a fortune selling a, a patent to it. But um, in the meantime, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much the story. Good question. Really, really good question. Though. Thank you, Patrick. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's get one from Sh- uh, Noah. Oh, I the name. <laughs> Hello, team. Happy to stay anon, he says, as I don't want or need financial advice. I'd like to ask you a question on the podcast. My core portfolio is set. My small cap watch list is, there are two companies, mate, CXL, Caxil, I assume it's pronounced, and CTT Satire. I believe both these companies have great long-term growth if executed correctly. Now he says, and this is what, so maybe it's about the companies, maybe it's not, answer how you want, but he says, now as a retail investor with no finance background, what would you do when going from great product and idea to great investment idea and uh, buying? Could yeah. you please use either of these companies as an, as, um, as an end or do a step-by-step step step example with what resources you use? Thank you. And that's from Anon. Uh, not exactly anonymous. I don't know who it is, but uh, they've, they've chosen to remain anonymous. So that's for anonymous. So look, we won't again. Step by step is really difficult. Anon in an environment where we can't do this. It's an audio podcast. So it's hard to put numbers in boxes. But it, it just it, that that's a really interesting one, mate. Because there are some great products that I would never buy the shares in. There are some mm. terrible products I would buy shares in, and hopefully there are some great products that are worth buying shares in. But how do you make that transition between appreciating the business, the product, the service, and making sure it's a great investment idea? I think they're definitely worth looking at. Peter Lynch, a very famous US investor, was sort of popularised this idea of going into the if you like the product, you should you know it's a good starting point for liking the company. And I think yeah. I think that's I think that's very true. Yeah. Um, uh, but but you know these are economic entities. These are economic considerations. You you right. need to see some. You need to. S- Either have very high conviction that the that the money will eventually come, or that you actually like to see some evidence for that. Yeah, so be nice, yeah. You know, Calix, I believe, has got something to do with carbon capture technology. Okay. Um, super high tech, super exciting. Um, but my question would be, and I just I have it. it it's I, I. It sounds like a bit of a cop out. Um, and I guess it is, but it's hard because you often get questions. I'll use this as an example. I was like, "Wow, there's two thousand companies." I just, I just <laughs> yeah. you know, and then and then and then I, I find this too as I get older. It's just sort of like, "Oh, we'll absolutely do a little bit of prep." But I always, I always find that you know they they're, they're rabbit warrens. You sort yeah. of like the more yeah. you scratch, the more you realise you've got to do more. So it ends up being like a, a and honestly, I will spend weeks, if not months, on on investigating mm-hmm. a company mm-hmm. before I buy it. So I'm loath to sort of put anything out there having spent ten minutes. Sort of, sort of looked at it. But so give us another example, I, then, mate. Give us, give us something else entirely. 
Um, well, like, okay, there's some companies. Uh, I own shares in uh, which one will I pick? Um, uh, Envirosuite, right? EVS. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got a really cool little product that does environmental monitor, monitoring noise, dust, mm-hmm. sound, all kinds of different things. Yep. Really cool technology. I actually developed it years ago. Um, but it wasn't, it was more recently that I took a more substantial position in it because although the technology was very cool and stuff, it's, mm. it's when you, when I say recently, I'm, I'm talking five years ago, which is recent in my, the way I, <laughs> I, I operate. Mm. Um, you, you start to see evidence of that in the financials in that it's not just a cool sounding product, but it's one that's actually well, clearly resonating with users because each year mm. their, their core product there is just getting more, more and more people are buying it. The retention rates are very, very high. Um, uh, so, so you start to see it, there's, there's what you think is good and then there's what customers think is good. Yeah, when, you, that's right. when you start to see really good sales traction yeah. um, and, and, um, and you see high retention, that speaks volume. So that's, that's one answer to the question. I, I like to see evidence for that in the cash flow. But mm-hmm. you also need the other difficult question here, I think, is you've got to have a business that – there's this old saying of, you know, be careful not to grow yourself broke, which I love <laughs> um, because there's a lot of companies whose top line, i.e. the sales, grow and grow and grow and grow. It's fantastic. But you know what? Nothing gets there's – no, there's no earnings out the other side yeah. because as they get bigger – what they do – and you and I can do this. Let's raise $100 million. <laughs> That's not hard, right? Mm-hmm. Raise $100 million selling, selling our T-shirts, right? And, <laughs> or Peter's and, T-shirts. And, yeah, Peter's T-shirts, and we'll we, we will just <laughs> for a commission, um, uh, and, and we we will we will grow ourselves exceptionally strongly. Maybe we do that by paying some social media influencers, you know, ten thousand dollars for every mention. Our sales are going to go through the roof. Yeah. But we're going to be if we're spending more than we earn, right. you know, if, if if it costs us ten dollars to sell a T-shirt, and but we're getting eight dollars for every mm. T-shirt, mm. well, the more that we sell, the more money that we lose. So yeah, that's right. And by, it sounds ridiculous, right? But mm. you'd be su- you'd be surprised how many companies mm. sort of do this, where they and you, you see it on their presentations. Oh, there's this beautiful <laughs> stair upward steep staircase in in sales, mm. but in terms of the earnings, it's actually the loss just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, um, and that's that's potentially a, a, a little bit of a worry. Mm. Um, and the other thing you get there too is sometimes you even do see some good profit actually coming out the other side, but they've had to issue so many shares to continue to fund their operations. That you get more and more and more diluted. So the per share earnings growth is actually well, there isn't any. So you've got to. This is a long answer, and the, and the answer is always a long one for all of this kind of stuff because because it's it's complicated. But I would say, look for the yes. Look at the technology. Look at what else is out there. Calix is a good example. Who's doing carbon capture? A lot of people are trying to do yeah, carbon right. capture. You know, um, uh, 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 what is it that make? This is where it, it pays to have a bit of domain expertise. What is it about their technology? Not what they're saying because they're going to tell you it's the best thing since sliced bread. But what what is it about their technology that distinguishes them from other people? Can other people potentially copy this? As I say, in the the long term, everything's a toaster, right? So sooner or later, technology just get adopted and they sort of go back to a bit of, you know, cost of production kind of stuff. So what is it it special about them? Are customers actually buying this more and more and more? Um, Are they actually scaling the business well? What kind of margins are they getting? All of this kind of stuff. So yes, I want a good product and a good story, but all of that stuff needs to follow. Now, um, 
the, the obvious cost of doing that is is that mm. the longer you wait for evidence, the more you miss out on the upside. Yeah, um, right. Right? So, because it's like by the time it's super obvious, a lot of the opportunity has passed. Mm. I'm actually okay with that to some extent. I, I, I would rather miss out on some of the early gains but make a much lower risk investment. Mm. Um, so if I was, if I was to, to buy some of these companies back when they first listed and they had barely had any sales at all and then they were the ones that hit, I would be you know, really ridiculous returns. But I'm actually happy to forgo a little bit of those and just buy with buy with a higher degree of confidence. And there's still there's still going to be great upside if you get it right. You don't have to be the first person you know on on the train to to make a lot of money. I'll get on a few stops later once I'm confident that 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 this train's actually built well and it's got a long <laughs> to torture the analogy to, to got a got a long track ahead of it. I don't know. Yeah. What do you reckon? No, I think I think that's I think that's pretty right, mate. I. I'm, I'm, I'm almost inclined to... So I think, I think starting with a product you know and either you like or you know other people like is a really good thing um, because it suggests that there is credible evidence for whatever promise the company thinks it has. And that's, that's much better than, hey, we've got a great idea, trust us. Ah. So your point about kind of getting on the train a bit later, getting that evidence is, is useful. Mm-hmm. If you though see a business that has, and this is Peter Lynch thing, as you said, if it's, got, if it's got traction, it's got a product people like, people want to use it, all that good stuff, then I'm going to say, you know what? I reckon that's a really, really good opportunity to have a closer look at a business. So that, that would be the first place I'd start. Yep. What I would caution about, and this is not necessarily, um, uh, it's not necessarily one for our, our questioner, um, but if you say carbon capture and storage, there are a whole lot of people out there who either really love tech or really love climate action or really love the idea of someone doing something good. And I love that too. But that's a very, very, very long way from a great investment. That's even further away from a great product, right? So if it was true, if it could be done at scale, if they, you know, if, 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 if that would be great. Um, but we see, I see so many people sucked into stuff they love because they wish it was true. Mm. And I don't blame you for wishing it was true. I wish it was true too. And I don't have a view on this company, by the way, so I'm not talking about Caxel or whatever it's pronounced. I, I don't have a view at all. What I would say is... I have not. I don't know of carbon capture storage being done at at scale, profitably anywhere in the world. So, is it a good idea? Ah, it's a nice bit of science to be investigating. But it's like companies that say we got a we got a we got a drug we're hoping can cure cancer. Is that a great idea? Yeah, I hope they're successful. Odds yeah. are they really, really, really won't be. And so, is that, does that qualify as great product? No. Cool, they're trying it. Cool idea. Cool science. Cool tech. Hope it works. Yep. Um, I would. That's a long way back from me from great product, right? So when you say great product and idea uh, and on, or great investment, you know, yeah. Well, but even then, is, is it even a great product? I'm not even sure it is. Is, is it something we wish was a great product? Is it? Is it a nice idea? Yeah, that doesn't even make it great product. So I would. I would go back one step. So you should be really, really careful. Great product has to be. Hey, this is working. People like it. People are using it. It is different. It is new. It is better. It is something. But that has to be. If not proven out, at least shown to a very large degree in my preference, right? So is it is it actually delivering to, for somebody? And hopefully more people over time. You want to be growing as well. And then Ram's question about great investment. I think you've covered it, mate, nicely. I just wanted to call out that great idea. Because when people say, hey, great idea, it's, it's doing this green thing. I, I mean, again, I, I paint myself as the, as the anti-ethical investor, the anti-environment, the anti-whatever. Investing-wise, I absolutely am. Personally, I'm massively fan of serious and, and soon, you know, sudden um, uh, urgent climate change action. So I'm not, I hope they're right as well. But, mm. it, you know, hoping, that, hoping they're right, wishing they're right, hoping that people take action and do some stuff, that's very, very, very different from even great product. 
um, because you know the, the, there are there are many great products in the past that never made it to, to commercialization, let alone uh, to, to investing success. So just be a little bit careful there. Uh, and I only mentioned that because the company, the, the, the carbon capture and storage business, came up. So just be careful there. Mm. Um, yeah, just just buy, buy with your eyes wide open. But as an investor, you, remember if you're I've said this before, but if you're buying on the market, the company doesn't even get your money. So the only thing you need to do work out is, is this company going to make money for me? And that is, are shares priced at a level where I can get a good return from here, assuming what I know about the company will continue to be true? And that's the question you've got to ask yourself. Yep. A question, mate, from um, oh, this one from Will. Morning, Scott and Ram. And they even put a little goat emoji, mate, <laughs> which I quite like. So there you go. Thanks again for answering my last question on the podcast. And in aiding your plugs, says Will, I've been enjoying the YouTube videos as they come out too. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it, mate. Cool. My next question is on technical analysis. Is this something you have ever done or recommend? Unless someone were to look back and analyse how a market moves pre and post elections or other significant and known announcements and trade in that analysis, I really can't see how technical analysis would actually provide benefit to an investor or even traders for that matter. <coughs> Excuse me. To me, it seems like a way that people try to justify movements, but realistically, you are just plotting lines on a graph in an attempt to guess movements and your guess depends on how you decided to plot those lines. With approaches drilled in through this podcast, investing books and other educational means, I just can't go past the approach of attempting to find good companies doing good things and solving good problems. So am I missing something? Or do you concur that charting is bonkers? Cheers, and that's from Will. Mate, do you concur with Will? Is charting bonkers? You know, I used to be really... Militant um, is probably mm-hmm. the best word against it, um, mm-hmm. and it's a very it's a very divisive topic <laughs> in in our community. Um, so I'm more saying you're not going to sit on the fence. Surely, look, I'm not, no, I'll tell you what I surely. think. Surely, <laughs> I'll tell you what I think, but I want to preface it with some stuff so no one sends in hate mail. Like, you do you. If you find something works mm. and it's it, it you know. Then go for it. I, I'm not. I'm mm. not here to tell you how to spend mm. and invest your your money. Yeah. Um, personally, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's nuts. Um, I you know I think it should be called technomental analysis. You know, you know it's just <laughs> it's. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. I like it. It's prevised on the the philosophy. <laughs> the I what's the, the ideology philosophy of it is mm. that the market is is very efficient and smart, and it'll tell you what it's going to do. Right. And I think I think it has gained a very um, it's you, it's been around for decades. Yeah. But in the old days, you had to literally get some graph paper out. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a lot of hard work, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and then with the advent of of <laughs> computers and software, it became really easy. So now, yeah. let me give you a proposition here. So we <laughs> often talk about how hard investing is, and I can say to mm. you. Go and become a master of business models, understand industry dynamics, become really good at spreadsheets and mathematics and discounted cash flow analysis. Make sure you've got very good accounting mm. skills so that you can read the statement mm. of financial position, cash flow statement, all the rest of it. <laughs> Synthesize all of that into a big cogent argument. You know, mm. whoa. Or, hey, whenever the share price crosses over the 50-day moving average, you buy, and whenever mm. it falls below, you sell. Now, mm. Which one is more appealing to you? One is one is really easy. The computer will spit it out for you. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and you don't need to know anything about the business. Yeah. Now, it, uh, the thing the thing I think 
<laughs> I, just, I know we're going to get so much hate mail on this. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just, I'm sorry to the charter. Again, you do you. I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Come on, get on with it. Get off the fence. I, I, I just, I just think that you've got to look at it, stand back a little bit. If it was that easy, <laughs> if it was that, let, let's, let's assume for the sake of the argument that it was, and I've got a set of, set of, Technical indicators and technical. So just to define it, that just means that the share price and the volume and combination of just those two factors will tell you everything you need to know. You might put a Fibonacci sequence on that. You might, mm. you know, uh, various mathematical manipulations of that price to sort of infer various things. The whole you know relative strength indexes, Bollinger bands, Elliott wave, thing, you know, all this stuff. But it, but but if it was that simple, and don't forget, we live in the information age. There'd probably be someone out there exploiting that with some bonds, right? Because you don't, again, you don't need to do all this qualitative analysis of the product and the industry. You just you just need to plug it in into yeah. your little computer. It'll run away and it'll execute trades. Yeah. Now, someone who's got that has now got a formula essentially to turn lead into gold, right? It's a, it's a formula <laughs> to make money. So yeah. it's kind of what's weird about it is is that if it does, if there is some combination of now, by the way, the academics have been pretty thorough on this and they've done a lot of analysis and I don't think anyone's ever really sort of shown that it, that it does have any merit. Uh, again, someone will come in and contradict me on that and that's, that's cool too. Um, but, but, if, but let's assume that there was, when those things are found, they're very quickly exploited and the very act of exploiting them renders them useless um, because people will just keep picking it up quicker and quicker and then arbitraging that opportunity and that the act of doing that will, will, will close the opportunity. Right, right. So I, I philosophically, intellectually, practically, experientially, if that's a word, <laughs> I've, I've got no re- – I, I just don't like it. But a lot of, lot of straw man members use it and like it and, and, and they think it works for them. And you, you've, got to, you've got to find – it's such a broad term as well because you'll find two chartists that have fundamentally different approaches, just as you'll have people who focus more on the financials and fundamentals who have fundamentally different approaches. So these are very big, broad umbrella terms. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, 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 I think it's bonkers too, Will. What do you think? <sighs> I know, I know so, what you think, but, but well, you, you, so here's the thing, right? I, I, I've said this before. Like you, I used to be more militant about everything, um, and other than other than my hatred for property, I, I think I'm less militant than almost everything. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, including that actually. Um, the uh, so so here's the thing. I I don't I don't I haven't seen evidence that it, that actually works. Right. So that's the first thing I would just simply say outright is I have not seen reliable evidence that it works. Full stop. I also think that if you have the opportunity to invest on a fundamental basis, which is kind of the not the opposite of technicals, but the other alternative, generally speaking, i.e. what the company does, what it's worth, what it's going to do, and you're investing for the long term, you can let time do its thing, and we know markets go up over time. So I'm kind of like, you know, whether, whether through intellectual laziness, personal laziness, physical laziness, whatever, I'm like, so I could do all that work or I could just take advantage of, you know, the fact that markets tend to go up over time because companies find new and better ways to new, new and better things and the best of the best are listed on the stock market, and I get to do that. So, mm. cool. That sounds that, that that sounds pretty good to me, right? If I can yeah. not spend all day doing that, I can. I've got a day job, so you know the good thing about it for me is that my my investing is is passive income in the sense that I'm not I'm not spending all day doing it, right? I'm not giving up an income to do my trading because um, if you're trading, by the way, and you do it like a lot with you know day trading and stuff, you've got to not only make money that I would make 
you know, on capital return, you've actually got to pay, you, pay your bills because otherwise, you know, I can't, I've got a day job, right? Plus, I'm, plus it turns me, you know, I'm investing. But even if I wasn't, I used to, you know, invest personally, privately before I joined The Motley Fool. I had a day job and I, I invested in my spare time because you can. Um, so, you know, the more time it takes, the more of a, of a commitment it is. And frankly, if you start to impinge on your ability to earn an income, then the trading's got to pay for that as well, which is tough. Mate, um, that, that that's the point that everyone misses, right? It's yeah. just like if, if I do if I even if, if I make <laughs> if right. I make ten percent a year yeah, yeah, yeah. by just not doing any just got, I've just got a bunch of high quality assets right, that right. I sit on. And yeah. I make ten percent a year because I day traded that like yeah. well the actually I, I I've actually lost out massively. One, because yeah. of all the transaction and trading costs and all the rest of it. But even putting that aside And taxes, like, by the way. And taxes, you know, so but but mm. in one scenario, I'm off doing either things that I love or I'm, I've got a job which is bringing in money or this is my right, job. Right, and right. and it's just, it's it, it, you actually need to have a significantly <laughs> higher return to you justify really that time investment. So what it is, is it's a question of you and I might earn $1,000 this year. If yep. I earned that $1,000 by turning up for a one-hour meeting and you earn yep. that $1,000 by working 40 hours a week, yeah, who's, that's right. who's better off, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And you, you've got to factor – and, that, and that's, that's the thing with, with technomental analysis is that you need to be <laughs> – um, it, it, it's more suited to that short-term trading, which I'm also personally quite against. Uh, I, I think it's a waste of time. Now – can I, can I say what? Can I say what? Can I, can I have to point this out. And I can do this without mentioning names. You and I, back in the day when Sky Business was a thing, <laughs> yeah, they had a studio out at Ride or whatever. <laughs> and I love you go to this part. You, you, you drive along. You, you, you drive there. By the way, I'm not in a Ferrari, right? Like I've got a very <laughs> conservative car. But anyway, it was interesting. So you, you, you'd rock up, you'd get into the car park, you'd do the show, and there'd often be some technical... The, the, the networks love the technical analysts because they can give you a view on anything at any time without yeah. knowing anything. Cause and you it's just absolute, have to look, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really easy. Anyway, they talk there about this and that. It's so easy. You make a squillion dollars and you go, okay, great. You'd leave the show and then they'd get into this beaten down old bury. And it's like, mate, and not that I'm judging anyone, and I'm the most frugal person around and I actually think, you know, ostentatious displays of wealth are actually quite offensive. But, mm. but, but it just struck me that for the guy with his toe sticking through his shoe and Band-Aid around his glasses driving a beaten down car, it's like, mate, if it was so easy... Like, you're out there preaching something to everyone about how easy it is to, to trade your way to a fortune. Well, where's your money? It doesn't, it just, there was a, there was a really obvious disconnect there. And it's also like, it seems to me that people who advocate this are actually advocating a trading strategy or approach or a lesson or education that you, they'll sell to you. They make their, <laughs> that's how they make their money. They're not actually, it, it's, it's far better to teach someone how to, I mean, it, if I had this really robust, foolproof, great system of, of generating, you know, great returns mm. from the market, mm. maybe I would just do that. Why would I? Why would I instead just try and sell, package that up as some course and sell that to someone? Why? Why not just use it? I mean, that's that's a really good question, isn't it? You know, you know, the same has been posed about you and I, by the way, in our respective businesses. So I'm, I'm mindful of throwing that stone from our little glass house because people have said the same to me on social media and elsewhere. Um, I'm not disagreeing with you, by the way. But you know, if this is so good, why would you? Why would you tell the give you tips, Phillips? Why wouldn't you go and just buy them yourself and make a fortune? 
Well, I, well, I do, I do, and I, I know you do as well. So I think this yeah. this this is the difference. Is one, I'm not I'm not claiming that you can you make a squillion dollars trading the market using yeah. just a couple of. I'm not I'm not making I'm I'm making the claim that you, if you put a bit of work in, you probably get one or two extra percent on the market average, and that'll do you very well compound over the years. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not making ridiculous claims. Secondly, <laughs> my money is absolutely where my mouth is. So all of the stuff that I that I yeah. say that you should that that was the whole purpose of strawman, right? It was like this is what yeah. I'm doing. Tell me if I'm wrong. What are you doing? Let's let's try yeah. and work it out yeah. together. Uh, that is very different to hey, give me a thousand dollars and I'll give you a software package or a course and then you'll make a million dollars. That's that's very spurious and disingenuous. Mm-hmm. And I've got strong ethical views on it. Oh my god, I really tried to th- when you when you're asking the question, I'm thinking no no no, don't say anything. Be cool. Don't be offensive, and I've probably just offended a huge amount of people there. You absolutely have, which is wonderful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you know what I'm going to say, mate? I'm going to say that I don't think you should use technical analysis, but I'm also going to say that I am less strident about it than I used to be for one reason that kind of strikes me and only has struck me in the last few years, which is I'm a big, big, big fan of behavioural economics, right? Behavioural finance, behavioural psychology, The, the... the tendency for humans to do things that we don't necessarily unaware of or, or act in certain ways that it's just, not exactly, I won't say pre-programmed because it makes it sound like it's nefarious, but just, you know, are, are subject to our evolutionary biology, right? From our very, very basic lizard brains right through the rest of our brain chemistry and, and structure. And I'm no biologist, so I'm not going to try and explain it, but that's the broad idea. Mm-hmm. Now, it, 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 you know, and we've just talked about sentiment and moods and other things. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced that there may not be something in the patterns of human behaviour that we can reasonably believe to be true for all the things we've just spent an hour saying now and we said on Friday. You know, the fact that when A2 milk shares go down, everyone gets freaked out about it, so they all start selling because it's going down and then the reverse happens on the other way, on the way back up. You know, the, the patterns of markets, you know, the, the March crash and recovery, all that sort of stuff, those things... Those things happen in, in not necessarily predictable patterns, but is it possible that when when you know when when the lemmings start running off cliffs, it's reasonable to to guess or to estimate or to analyze or to predict how many lemmings will jump off before one lemming says, actually maybe that's a dumb idea, you mm. know? And, and if you're going to lose the first twenty eight lemmings, and then the twenty ninth realizes on average that it's a bad idea, and so you can assume that if four have gone off, there's other twenty something to come. I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced it's not possible. Now, I don't believe anyone's got the answer. And as you say, the academic studies have shown that or have failed to support the idea that, that trading works based on charts. So the, the evidence, I, I'm, I tend to be an evidence kind of guy. There's, there's a century of markets go up and good companies do better than bad companies. Um, and I'm, pre, I'm pretty happy to, to rely on that. Um, mm. As you've said on Friday, very first start, you know, price follows value over time. Those things are not laws um, because they don't don't have to. We've seen examples of massive booms and massive busts where they stop following those rules for periods of time. But over time, it generally is the case that that's true. And so honestly, just out of, you know, I'm not convinced that charting can't or doesn't work in any circumstance or there aren't some kernels of truth somewhere. I'm not prepared to write it off. What I would say though, is unless you've absolutely shown that it is definitely going to work, Again, think probabilistically. We say that for investors all the time. Probabilistically, is it likely that you're going to be able to find a system of all the systems that works, that pays your income, that is worth your time and effort, and that is better than the alternative? And if you if you, if you can answer genuinely yes on on, on evidence, right? Not just because I, I wish, I hope, I think, I'm sure, maybe, possibly, I'm confident. That if, if you can show yourself, don't have to show me, it doesn't matter what I think. If you can show yourself that this, this strategy works, will work, will continue to work, 
and is worth the time and effort compared to what you get out of it, knock yourself out. Uh, and if and when someone does show me that, I'll happily adopt it, quite honestly. I'm not, I'm not against mm. the concept because I think there is something in behavioural psychology that kind of should lend itself to crowd behaviour, right? We know that crowds act certain ways and that should be scientifically observable. And if it is and if it's shown to work, then great, I'll jump on too. Uh, but until that, until that point, I'm happy to kind of go, I don't know and I'm not convinced, I'm not sure. So I'm not going to write it off. I'm just simply going to say I wouldn't do it because I don't see the evidence and I'm happy to do what I do and do it my way. My way seems to work. Um, I'm happy to follow in the footsteps of the Buffets and the Lynches and the others, um, the Fishers, the, you know, everyone's who, who've done mm. this sort of stuff. It seems like a, a, a pattern that works and that's why I'm happy enough not to write it off outright but to say if you're going to do it, you'd want to be pretty sure the pattern, the structure, the costs, the returns, the, the charts, the, <laughs> the, the, the lines you're drawing uh, to the question – are genuinely right, are likely to win, are likely to work, are likely to deliver great returns. And if you're not sure, then find the strategy that makes most sense for you and hopefully that should be based on evidence, not based on wishful thinking or a desire for that to be true. Yeah. Yep, you do you. Kind of, yes. I'm a little, <laughs> less, sang- I'm a little less sanguine on that one. I think I think you do the thing that you can demonstrate works. <laughs> um, I, you know, if, if you do you means you're going to do charts because you think it's right, I would still say to you, unless you can prove it, you shouldn't do you, you should do the evidence. But that's just that's a slight variation. Yeah, that, no, that, that's true too. But, but there's also something with, I know we're way over time here, but just... We are. Um, you've got me fired up now. But hey, there's, yeah. there's, what do you now? You've been fired up for the last two podcasts, mate. I have. Uh, I'm, I'm loving this. This is great. <laughs> I, the, the, the other thing, there is something that intuitively can be true in a general sense, but at the same time is practically yes, impossible. Absolutely. Great point, great point. Do you know what I mean? So it's just yep. like, is, is there momentum in share prices? Absolutely there is. But, but defining that and spotting it and trading that reg, re, reliably, consistently, that, mm, that's, that's mm. a different thing. That is a different thing. And I come back to my point too of something that once, once there is a exploitable technique, it gets exploited and it renders it. Because uh-huh. if everyone if, – let's, let's say there is some combination of signals out there that, that, that we know statistically yeah, yeah, yeah. through very, very rigorous backtesting, which people love to do on the market, which is another waste of time. Um, uh, and and, and it, shows, it shows that, that this is a signal that's, that, that's worth doing. Well, I'm going to start mm. using it. In other words, I'm going to start buying shares because I know right. it's going to go up. But by buying shares, I'm pushing the, 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 the shares up, which means that now they're sort of like there's a race to get in early as all these people identify these things and get like mm-hmm. you, you get these sort of self-fulfilling properties. And, and then, then, in fact, to, to take advantage of it, it means you actually need to anticipate that. So it's kind of like Google mm-hmm. Keynesian beauty contest. You know, it's kind of that um, where, where you it's not about what's going to happen but what you think finding out what other people think are going to happen and then yeah. you, and it's turtles all the way down because then you can go okay well I'll just be the person who's, who's, who's before everyone else and then, and, then, and then it shifts forward and then and then and then then you have to anticipate that and it's just and again here's the, and again let's let's just say again sake of argument it's entirely possible mm. you at home with your Chromebook and your Wi-Fi connection are up against Morgan Stanley with a <laughs> supercomputer with yeah. a team of 50 people who have triple degrees in PhDs in mathematics. I'm, I'm not exaggerating here. This, this is your competition on, on when you're playing this game. And, and it, it, to me, and it's not a, it sounds like I'm being very judgmental or negative mm. on people's ability. It is the height of hubris to think yeah. that you can compete 
against those kinds of people with those kinds of resources. Now, maybe you are an absolute mathematical prodigy and that you just can, you can do this. And if you can, great. But, mm. but look, yeah, okay, one last thing and then I'm going to shut up, Scott. <laughs> no, you're not. The other thing, the other thing is, let's look at all of the famous investors that history serves up. And you just listed a bunch of them. Mm. Now let's try and name some of the famous investors from history that that have that have made their money on technical analysis. Mm. Now there is a couple. There's <laughs> not many, yeah. and there's probably a huge degree of survivorship bias in in that sample as well. So it just, mm. you, do you know? Isn't that isn't that odd? Here's this, here's this wonderful technique and yet none of the world's most famous, best-known, most successful, demonst- you know, his demonstrably successful people that history has served up, none of them use it. Yeah. Isn't that odd? That seems really odd to me for something that, that's, that seems as though it should really work. Where, where, where's the Warren Buffett of technical analysis? <laughs> yeah, it's fair to say, isn't it? I mean, yeah, people will point out a couple of, and I know, I know there's, there's, there's a few out there, but they're just rare as hen's teeth. And I would argue that there's probably, there's probably, it's the, it's the infinite monkey hypothesis there or the survivorship bias. <laughs> and I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to shut up so, now. I was off making a coffee. Did you say something? <laughs> making a coffee? You could have gone and harvested the beans and roasted them. And, yeah. That's right. This is my fifth coffee. No, I'm kidding. Uh, mate, no, I think, I think you're exactly right. Look, and, that, and that's, you know, I'll, go, I'll simply go back to my, my view is it's a game of probabilities. And you've got to ask yourself what is most likely to be successful for you. And, I, I, again, I, the only the only I know you say you do you. I don't. I don't say that. What I say is most likely to be successful for you, not you wish was successful. It's a bit like the um, investing in you know environmental companies. Just because you want it to be true doesn't make it true. Just because you hope it's true doesn't make it true. Just because you like it doesn't make it true. And different people are dr- drawn different things, right? Some people like the certainty of that. Like if I can draw the if I can do the if I'm a maths head and I can do the charts and do the lines and do the stuff, mm-hmm. then I guess you know it's it, it'll it'll appeal to some people just on on pure you know personality. And I don't blame them for that. I just say, just check the evidence. Make sure that you know you can do it well, um, and, and do the thing that is going to work best. It's like it's, our, it's the only choice, right? The only option we have, the only the only need we have. Uh, frankly, Buffett is way smart <laughs> enough to do technical. You know, do you wonder, is there a Buffett of technicals? Why isn't Buffett a technical analyst? Mm. He's got the he's mm. got the ability, right? Like he's he's mm. a machine. He can do he can do bloody you know DCFs in his head. Uh, if, if trust me, if it was possible to do, he, he, you know, if he thought it was possible to do, he would have done it because he would have made money however he wanted to. Yeah, this is the way yeah. he's chosen. I think that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And now, also, I'm finished. I would normally <laughs> share with you the socials, but we have gone way over time. Uh, thank you for joining us for the rant edition of Mailbag, brought to you by Andrew Page from Strawman.com uh, and and myself. I've tried to you know just poke, poke the bear a few times, and frankly, it's worked beautifully. So if you've been entertained, what, what's the, what was the old line? Have you not been entertained? Have you not been? You uh, are been you not, you're not entertained? Trying. That's from there Gladiator. We go. Yeah. There you, if you, and if you're not, you haven't been trying because frankly, Andrew has bought his best stuff, and it's been a lot of fun, <laughs> mate. Thank thank you for joining me. I look forward to our next chat next Friday. I'm. Um, I'm not sure if I should try and wind you up or calm you down. We'll see what happens. Make sure you tune in next week because it's going to be another fun one. Until then, I've been Scott Phillips. He's been Andrew Page and ranty as hell. Until next week. Very (laughs) ranty. Fool on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. 
listener.